it now, say it now. You're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. I am here in the beautiful city of Portland, Oregon, at the Living the Dream Studios, and I got to say that it feels so, so good to be back. It's been a little bit over a month, or maybe just about a month since we've released our last episode. I know it was early October. Um, reason being is because I was one of the hundreds of thousands of people, thousands of people in this country, and probably one of millions of people in this world that uh, actually tested positive for coronavirus. So I was out of commission for a little while, but I am back, and I'm glad to be back, and I'm glad that you all are back here with me. Um, definitely feeling better, feeling a lot stronger. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm 100%. I would say that I'm more so like 85%, but that's good enough to be back on a podcast, I think. Uh, so, you know, we're getting there. We're definitely getting there. But enough about me. Like I said, just happy to be back. I got a special guest on here today. He's certainly a friend of the show. He's been here once before. He's here once again. He writes for The Athletic, covering the Oregon Ducks. Tyson Alger, man, thank you for joining me on the podcast. And I'm so honored to be your first episode back. Like I, I, I knew, I knew you count for a bit, but I didn't know that you were bringing me in to, to loosen the podcast back in. Yeah, it's hopefully another good run here, but <laughs> yeah, I hope it's another good run too because we definitely had a good run going for like the last three months or so before I went on my hiatus because uh, we we're just having a bunch of guests coming through. Things had gotten really consistent. Um, obviously we're bringing it back with the guests having you here, but things just felt in a smooth groove. Like the flow was just fantastic. And then what do you know? It took a nosedive downhill. And, uh, like I said, it's been about a month since I've been around. So you're definitely kind of, uh, warming the listeners back up here. Cause things got cold around here, man. Yeah, yeah, the the the, the nosedive into to being sick and then the the exit right into election season. Hey, exactly. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> the the perfect landing spot for it. That, <laughs> that's exactly what happened too. And I've been up. I was up all night, I should say, because uh, obviously I was dealing with a little bit of anxiety from the elections, which we still don't know who our next president is going to be. But um, what we do know is that Biden currently leads. 253 to 213 right now. So um, that's cool. Obviously, I voted for Biden. I don't want you to have to tell the world who you voted for if you don't feel like it. That's totally your business. But I do want to know how you're feeling about the election, at least. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I, I have no shame in in just telling people that I voted for Biden. and I think, I don't know, yesterday was just like a big like ball of anxiety, I think, because I, I think everyone had been been bracing so much for uh, uh, just some sort of controversial election day or, uh, you know, ad- adversarial. And it's, everything's so divided right now. And, and it, it seems like it's a powder keg on each side that I, I do think it felt a little anticlimactic not having an actual like winner last night. But like if anyone's been following this thing, like, you know, that's what's been expected. So. Uh, like, uh, you know, like during like Christmas season, like you listen to like Christmas music for like a full month and then Christmas happens and it's just over. Right. You kind of wish it extended a couple more days. Right. Well, now we're getting this, but in the absolute worst thing that we would want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's very like, true. I, I don't, I don't want, I, I don't want any more election season, man. I just wanted to go away. I, I, 
but I, but I mean, that's, that's not at all the discount, like the importance of this. And, and it, it has been really cool watching like you and like, you know, our old podcast, but I ran like how you're into the being centered more around this since, uh, you know, we just had a, a goof around, uh, uh, basketball podcast. Uh, that was probably right around like 2016 too, wasn't it? Yep. About that 2016, 2017, somewhere around there. Yeah. So right. I think it was right after Yeah, it was about 2017. Go, I, it actually might've been 2018 because I was doing radio pretty much that mm. year of 2017. Yeah, oh, I was doing yeah. radio. It was probably spring of spring of eighteen. Probably. It was about spring of eighteen. Yeah, they they fired me, and then you two, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you two brought me along when you were at the Oregonian, and we hosted the infamous three on two podcast, where it was three of us covering two college basketball teams, <laughs> then the Oregon three Ducks of us and the Oregon two listeners, <laughs> <and> two listeners, right? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but it was cool though, man. We we talked about the the Oregon Ducks and the Oregon Beavers and things of that sort. But um, and we'll talk about more basketball later because it's been so long since I've been on here that the last guest we had on was Etan Thomas, NBA veteran, and it was during the NBA Finals when I had him on. So like, LeBron wasn't officially a champion yet, and like, I guess he wasn't officially the goat yet, if that's what you want to call it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we'll talk about that later on, buddy, because uh, I miss talking basketball, and Lord knows when I'll be able to talk basketball again. But um, before we get into basketball, let's talk about this weekend, because this weekend is a big weekend. Um, you got the Ducks playing their first game. Pac-12 is getting started. We've seen college football happening across the country. We're now getting getting it here on the West Coast. Um First off, how do you feel? Like, is it a surreal feeling that you get to cover college football again? Because you've been covering the Ducks for how many years? Yeah, th- this will be my my seventh season, uh, my seventh full season doing the Ducks. And it's, yeah, it, it, it's been really hard to just kind of wrap your mind around the fact that they're starting this week. Because, I mean, if, if you if you look back at Oregon season last year, it was at this time last year when Mario Cristobal felt confident enough to start kind of lobbying for being in the college football playoff. Like they were that far into the season at this point already yeah. that, that they thought that they were building the case. And now here we are, it's just like getting ready for week one and like just sifting through like the fact that the Oregon is still ranked number 13th yet. They haven't played a game and the team above them has played five and the team below them has played two. And like, there's just like all these spider webs of people like projecting that, like, you know, if the ducks do this, they could make the playoff and, like here I am just sitting here thinking like looking at like the news from like Wisconsin like this week where they've had like more than more than a dozen positive cases or you've had teams like LSU who were projected to be like front runners this year. They've lost two games. Like it's it's like such a chaotic season and the Pac-12 is joining at the most chaotic time possible. So I like it, I'm super excited to actually be covering a game Saturday, but like yeah. it's just it's it's going to be just like the, the the craziest year I think any of us have ever been around. How does this work? How are you covering a game Saturday? Because obviously yeah. you're not covering it the same way you have the past six years leading up to year number seven where we're in a pandemic and things are all over the place. How does that work? Yeah, I'm a little concerned about the food spread. Um, you know, usually <laughs> I'm able to pack on an extra like 10 to 15 pounds for the winter. Yeah, um, yeah. I've yeah. been there. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so they will be like – we run games in person, uh, so they will they will have like actually press box. 
set up um i'm i've yet to actually like see like what that looks like um but so so we'll be able to watch the game and you know i think some people are like well what's the matter if like, you can just watch the game if you're still doing zoom press conference which we, which is what we will be doing for those games so we'll be we'll be in the same building technically but we'll be videoing down into the locker room but uh, just be able to see like the whole field and plays like set up and just i mean you you know how i write i just kind of get a kick out of like just the behind the scenes stuff like i think saturday is good like that's probably what i'll write on saturday so we've an atmosphere it is and like as the ducks are kicking off what still could be a pretty important season for them but yeah it's, it's definitely going to be different covering it yeah definitely and, and even with the behind the scenes stuff like do you have like a vision in your head of what you think behind the scenes is going to look like or are you just coming in open to anything, which I mean, obviously, as a journalist, you're going to always be open to whatever is available to you. But more so, like, like I said, when you get in such a groove and kind of a rhythm of doing the kind of work you've been doing for so many years now, and now you're going into a scenario where all you have is kind of what you envision, because you really don't know what you're getting yourself into. What do you kind of foresee? Yeah, the the thing that I'm that I've kind of like tried to like wrap my head around the most of like what I think is going to be the most different is just going to be what it sounds like. Uh, you know, Oxen Stadium usually has like fifty six thousand fans in there, and it's fifty six thousand fans that follow the same game day routines every Saturday from like the time they get to the stadium to tailgate to you know what what songs they sing at what times of the game and stuff, and, and just how the the players and um, everyone kind of like reacts after that because yeah, I think we're pretty used to seeing by now like the empty stadium like we've seen enough television you know tv shots and, and that sort of thing but right. i think actually just just being in there and and just feeling the atmosphere of, of what uh, a very competitive what's going to be a very competitive game and, and season like of, of play happening on the field happening while everything around it has essentially been been muted i, I think that's what i'm just most curious to, to experience on saturday Absolutely. And obviously, you know, we started off talking about the elections and politics and all that type of stuff. Um, how has the Ducks been when it's come to in immersing themselves into politics during a time like right now? Um, and even just dating back to May 30th, I believe, is the date that George Floyd passed away. Um, obviously, right now we're in an important moment because we have elections going on. But dating back to the 30th of May, when George Floyd was brutally murdered by uh, police in Minnesota, what has kind of been the feel around Ducks football politically? You know, I, I think it's the, the the sort of reaction that like you wanted to see, because I mean, like we all know how, especially with like the demographics and parts of the country college football is, is like you could have a pretty wide range of uh, reactions to that sort of thing. But like, well, the, the whole organ program, I would say, was very proactive and, and progressive with this. Like you saw, like not only like did they allow players to like voice the opinions that they, they, they wanted to voice like online and social media and, and, and interviews, but like you saw you saw Mario Cristobal showing up at a BLM protest uh, and he didn't tweet about it. You know, like, like I, I think there is a lot of stuff about appearances and, and like how things affect recruiting. And like there, there are so many politics within college football, but like. That was that was one thing where I thought like you know this is a guy who's who's showing up for something and isn't making a big deal out of it right now and I think that I, I think it was pretty genuine and and so I, I think that's been really um, I, I think the, the the players and kind of the community community are all, all pretty on the same page with with that but I mean 
obviously it's the, it's the world we live in. And so if you looked at like some of the Facebook comments and Twitter mentions on, on any given post, you know, you're about, you know, you're sure to have some um, offbeat sort of thing. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, it was just like the whole this summer of, of players speaking about racial issues but or also like kind of the player empowerment stuff in august with like the potential of of opting out or, or boycotting the season if certain demands weren't made um th this was probably the most um substantial pac-12 off season that we've really seen in terms of just of what was happening with the players yeah and i want to talk more about the player empowerment part that you talked about because for me personally, obviously, you know, you talked about some of the work that I do politically and obviously we're in a pandemic right now. And I mean, I, I caught the virus, but even beyond that, um, you know, I was one of those people that I've been working throughout the pandemic. I've been fortunate yeah. enough to, to, to have work throughout the pandemic. Um, but I don't judge anybody who doesn't work or feel comfortable working during a pandemic based on whatever their dynamics are. Um, you look at these players and these athletes and obviously the age old discussion discussion about athletes being paid and being in a moment where athletes should be paid. And so when it comes to college football in particular, I've been kind of on the fence because technically they still aren't being paid. Of course, they're getting scholarships and all of that kind of stuff. Um, where do you kind of stand on that whole player empowerment front and that age old debate? Uh, I, I think it's about time. You know, it's, I mean, at, at, at this point, it's, it's been, it's been a discussion that I think most, I mean, the majority of people are leaning on the side of like give players more options for, I mean, it seems like we've stuck that for the last decade or two, you know, uh, uh, it's so easy for everyone to capitalize on, on their name, image and likeness. And I think that's such a, a basic kind of right in terms of, and any other 18 and year old in the country, if they're doing something that people are willing to pay them X amount of money for, they have the right to do that. And in college sports, yeah, you're still getting an education, you're getting fed, that sort of stuff. But that that amount of money for certain individuals is still going to be far less than what they would be able to capitalize for themselves. Like, like take me, for instance, like I had a scholarship to go to Montana to, for their journalism school, but I still had a paid internship to, at the Oregonian. So like, yeah. I was able I was able to use the skills that I learned at my institution and, and get paid off a student. Like, how come you can't do that with football? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I think that at, at the very least, that that's it's it's time for that. Last question on the Ducks, maybe depending on how I feel. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, what are your projections? I guess for this week and going into this season, what do you expect from the Ducks this year? Um, based on obviously players that may have opted out. What was the lineman's name that I think decided to go to the draft? Sewell. Yeah, Panesul. Panesul. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you obviously have situations like that, and a lot of different. Um, variables and dynamics that are going to affect this team. Obviously, you know, they've, they've been relying upon Justin Herbert for the last four years, and he's now doing well in the NFL, you know, for starters at least. But um, what do you feel about this team going into this weekend in particular and obviously the remainder of the season going forward after having a season that was a pretty good one last year? Yeah, it's on one hand, like you could you could say it's frustrating for Oregon because I think if they had a normal year and they had everyone come back, you know, the guys who opted out and in addition to Sewell, it was three players from their secondary. Um, I, I think they had a legitimate case of at least like 
pursuing the college football playoff under normal circumstances. But now it's a, it's a shortened season. They weren't able to have spring practice really outside of four in March. Um, you're breaking in an entire new offensive line. You're going to have a new quarterback. You have some new guys in the secondary. There, there are a lot of variables or at least like um, give them or give them a reason to like take their time in this development. But at the same time, I, I do think that this roster is the most talented one in the Pac-12. That's that's all on the back of the recruiting effort that Mario Cristobal has done the last three years. So it's, it's kind of one of those things where like you can give them a break in what the season is but on the other hand like this team should be good and i don't think that they should use newness as an excuse absolutely now uh you mentioned your paid internship for the oregonian um and it makes me actually want to talk about ken go um for those of you that don't know who ken go is he was a longtime sports writer is i guess technically until like tomorrow a longtime sports writer right, for the yeah. Oregonian. Yeah, yeah, I guess he retires tomorrow. Um, but, yeah, longtime sports writer for the Oregonian. I think, I think I read it was like 43 years. Um, and I actually didn't really have much of a relationship with Ken Go. I've read, his, so I've read many of his stories. I've been in some press boxes with him. But I, he was just one of the people that I didn't grow a, a huge relationship with like I've grown with some other people at the Oregonian and nothing personal at all, but just the fact that he was able to stick with the Oregonian and be a sports writer for 43 years is, is it speaks volumes uh, of who he is as a journalist, who he is as a person, because we all know how hard it is to stick in this industry. But you obviously worked at the Oregonian for several years. You know Ken Go much better than I do. Um, just speak a little bit about Ken Go, because I think it's fascinating to hear, you know, about his story and being able to hear about him going off kind of on his own terms. And I just want to hear what your thoughts are on Ken Go and him retiring this week. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Ken, Ken was somebody who had, had really no reason to be, um, you know, nice or helpful to any of us. Like I, I came on, I came on to the Oregonian and probably it was probably at that point, it was like probably his like 36th, 37th year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is a guy who had worked all this time at one place. And unfortunately, it's been in an industry where he just saw a lot of his friends and colleagues get treated poorly and, and laid off and, and know have and prematurely and so I, I imagine how many co-workers ken has had over the years and and for him especially like late in his career to like have an interest in in younger writers like myself or andrew greif or, or danny moran and and really just kind of um lead by example you know like ken's kind of a quiet guy he's he's not the he's not a flashy writer like he, he just really gets to the point he's kind of understated and how he goes about things but he's always he's always nuanced he's always willing to listen to other people's opinions and and the fact that you can do 44 years at one place or whatever it's been, I uh, when I when I interviewed for the Ducks beat in 2014, I I told them like Ken Go has the career that I would love to have. Like I, I think that it's it's so there's so much respect in and being in one place and and carrying yourself the way that he has throughout that amount of time. And I had seven years at the Oregon in before I jumped ship, you know, and I, yeah. I, I thought that was a long time, but it's, but it, no, it, it, is. It, it's a different it, industry and it, it's, right. it's, it, it's a completely different, different world. Um, but yeah, I have, I have the utmost respect for that dude. And uh, it's, uh, it's going to be awfully weird being in a press box uh, Saturday without him there. Ah, that'll be his first game, not being there. Listen, I mean, obviously I sure, yeah, I'm sure I, he missed some games over the 40 I, year career, but. Yeah, I kind of had a feeling that um, 
the the Oregon Oregon State game last year was was been that you know Ken was going to retire soon. So I I, I kind of like said or I snapped the picture of him on the sideline that uh, um, I ended up sending to him later. But it was just you know kind of stoic like him looking off on the field and. Uh, you know, little, little do we know that was actually his last game. So yeah, wow, wow, yeah, that's that's a dope moment to uh, capture, to be able to capture. Um, are you going to be podcasting at all this year? You were doing a uh, podcast. I know you and Fentress were doing one for a while, but are you thinking yeah, about doing yeah, the, a podcast for this season? The the, the podcast uh, came to a premature end. Um, you know, it's, it's the business. Yeah, it, it happens. Uh, <laughs> Um, and I, you know, I, I really like doing the podcast and, and it's, it's definitely a, uh, I mean, I think we both love this medium and being able to, you know, just have an extended time to, you know, do interviews or share thoughts or whatever. But, yeah. um, right now, uh, right now that like we're in talks of doing like a larger, like pack 12 one that like, won't be, you know, specifically me every episode, but, uh, um, hopefully something that's in the works because I mean, obviously there's a demand for this. Yeah, uh, so uh, Tyson Alger, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My 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 awkward voice and ums and likes and all all that sort of. Just yeah, it was it's pretty talk. interesting because I had a, a a few episodes back. I had uh, Kavita Davidson on, and I know she. Hosts, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So so Kavita Davidson, her and Jessica Luther came out with the new book, Loving Sports When They Don't Love You Back. And I had the great pleasure of, of being in that book. They, they reached out to me and I was able to give them a quote in that book. So it was really cool. So obviously, you know, this being like the first book that I've ever been in and, you know, them releasing the book back in early September, I was able How to many get books. Do you think most people are in Devon? Like I haven't been in a book. Like really? Like, don't be don't be hard <laughs> about that. Throw that around. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know. I mean, I, I was really thinking about it, and I wasn't it's just thinking my first about book. You know? Yeah, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm making things happen. It's actually interesting because yeah. this year I was acknowledged. I was in the acknowledgments of another book, um, Dr. Jules Boykoff's book that came out earlier this year. Um, he gave me a shout out in the acknowledgments, but in this particular book, uh, I was able to actually be like, I, I gave a statement for the book essentially for like the sports media chapter that they did, okay. which was, which was really dope. It was super creative. They like had people that work within the sports media, you know, industry, um, that come from like underrepresented groups within sports media, um, so to be able to give a statement and kind of have my statement be alongside other people that are underrepresented in this field was pretty dope. So I thought it was clever how they put that chapter together. But yeah, I was talking to yes. her and go ahead. You give me my props. Oh, no, no, I was just saying no, no, no. Give me my props. Oh, oh yeah. No, I, was, I, was, I was just saying that sick, man. Like I, uh, I'll let you finish this story, but then I want to come back to, to being, being a published author afterwards. Yeah, for sure. Like, so I got a good point. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, ultimately, I was just bragging a little bit, saying I had Kavita Davidson on, but I like what she was doing with the national podcast over that at the Athletics. So, yeah, you know, if the, you all end up doing a Pac-12 one, I, I'm, a, I would imagine it would come out pretty dope because that's kind of like it has kind of like a New York Times the Daily feel, but for sports. Yeah, that, that's that's um, sort of vibe they were going they're going for. Them. Yeah, that just kind of sort of seems like the athletics way of podcasting now. You know, obviously that being the national podcast, but I would imagine the Pac-12 one may have like a similar feel or are they talking something a little bit different than that? We'll, we'll, we'll see, man. Like I, 
like so much stuff this year like this was an idea that got pushed out there and then I think a lot of the will they won't they of will the Pac-12 actually play kind of um, made that less of a priority for um, some people who make more money than me. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, I, I was going to say uh, in in twenty uh, uh, in twenty four the the year the Ducks made the title game. Uh, the the last company I worked for put together a commemorative book at the end of the year of uh, like, like stories and um, like columns and stuff from all from all the writers. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they marketed it as like a hardback edition and all this. And it was, it was like super cool looking. Um, and the book came out on a day that I happened to go in to ask for a raise. And I didn't get the raise. And, uh-huh. the, and then but but the parting shot was, hey, at least you're in the book. And in the book, I'm in, in the back. I'm listed as a contributing author, but they didn't use a single word of anything I wrote in the entire, in the entire damn thing. So, so that was that, that was a fun, a real fun day uh, about six years yeah. ago, coming away a little bit poorer and uh, with, uh, with wow, no that book. is a cold way to go. Because I ain't gonna lie, I was wondering, like, even when I submitted my statement for their book, obviously that's a long process, a, a real book writing process, not a yeah whatever y'all had going on <laughs> the last company you worked for. <laughs> but, but I was wondering like, hmm, I wonder like how much of the statement they're going to use and like how it's all going to come about and what my statement is going to look like in a book. Cause I've never had that happen before. Well, well, and I think it's so fascinating to like be on the reverse end of that. So, I mean, like, you know, we do that all the time. We, we take things from people and put them in, in the stories that, that we craft and create. And so like on the rare instance where like, you have the anxiety of like, Oh my God, I like, I want to see how this shows up. I think that's also just a good reminder too, of just like the, the amount of care that we have to put into like just regular people's stories when we share them. Because I mean, like there's, there's so much anxiety in an era too, where like, you know, there, there is less trust in the media. And, and even though I'm just like a sports reporter, like I, I, that does carry over. And so I think there does need to be like, uh, you know, just that much more care and, and, uh, uh, frankly, just accuracy when 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 you're doing something like that. No, that's that's a great point. That's a great point because yeah, I, I never thought about it that way because like you, I'm used to you know doing more coverage of other people um, and, and my own right, right and respect. So yeah, just to see how it felt being kind of on that other side as I guess the interviewee instead of the interviewer. Um, it, it was pretty interesting to just see and know how I felt, you know, and, and how much I did actually care because like you said, it was a big moment for me. Like I was thinking about it, you know, like I was just thinking about it from a perspective of, I mentioned the underrepresented groups, but more so like where I grew up at and where I came from, you know what I mean? And like, I'm just thinking about my peers and a lot of my childhood friends and stuff like that. And I'm like, wow, they probably never have and or never will have this opportunity to be able to be published in anybody's book. So for me, it was a huge moment and and sort of like, I guess a sentimental moment for me because it's like, I kind of realized how fortunate I was to be able to even be a part of something like that, knowing that that would be something that's really cool to people that I grew up around and grew up with. So, um, 
Yeah, to know that I not only yeah, cared yeah. that much about myself being in the book, but also cared that much about me representing this group of people that probably will never be in a book ever. It, it really definitely yeah. brought something upon me that was different than I had, had felt before, honestly. Well, well it, it gives you time and, and pause to like, you know, I, I think that uh, a lot of times we don't get too retrospective about me and where you're right now and you know what you have to get to that position and and i you know i imagine that's probably a little bit of what you were going through with that and no it definitely was it definitely was but um enough about me uh i want to talk basketball yeah, because yeah, i've been yeah. <laughs> <laughs> enough about this guy maybe later we'll get back to me but um I want to talk basketball and I want to talk about LeBron James winning his fourth championship. We can sit here and have a GOAT conversation if you want, but three. Yeah, there we go. He's got four. Um, but obviously, you know, leading into that finals where we suspected he would probably win um, and then him actually going out and getting the job done and winning his fourth title in bubble fashion. Um to you, what did that title in particular mean for LeBron James's career and legacy? Is he the GOAT? Um, and I don't want the GOAT to be the only spectrum you have to base this off of. Right. But just generally speaking, what did this title mean to LeBron in comparison to other titles that he's won in the past? Um, that's such a tough, like tough thing to, because I, I hate the overall just context of throwing everything into the goat discussion, because right. I, I think that, and I think that just ends up being so disrespectful to like, I would almost rather have like a top 15 career than like a top five career where people are just dismissing like how you are against Jordan instead of like appreciating like a Larry Bird who's like number seven or eight and like doesn't yeah. have to go through all the crap that like LeBron has. Right. Um, Cause I mean like this, this is a fourth, fourth title with, uh, what third different team, uh, all, all the crap about like, oh, well, LeBron's doing it out east and now he comes out out west. And I'm uh, like, oh, he didn't have to face the Clippers. Well, the Clippers weren't good enough to face the like, like, like this was, I think, a hard title to win. It was a very legitimate title. And I think it, I think just more than anything, it just gives a really good glimpse into just the versatility of LeBron James's career and, and why it's so unique. I mean, I mean, he, well, uh, that one be this effective in year 17 or, or whatever it was um i i just i think it's remarkable and, and right now when i'm looking at like people's equity in their careers like that's really all i care about like no one's going to win an argument arguing jordan or lebron right now and i, I think uh, especially like after like kobe's passing it felt like there was like a week or two period where everyone was like you know what let's just appreciate these dudes all their like their career together just for one little thing. and then obviously everything hit the fan obviously the last dance didn't help because jordan was back in front and center yeah um but yeah i i think i i think if anything this just further cemented lebron as having one of one of the best overall careers however you want to rank it in nba history and and one of the most unique and and i and i appreciate the hell out of it because he's still a really fun basketball player to watch it's interesting that you made that point because to an extent i do agree with you um i actually had went on Kanzano's show and Kanzano texted me one morning it was during the playoffs and he was 
just kind of generally, you know, talking about LeBron and kind of the the hate that LeBron receives. And, you know, I was just kind of talking about how LeBron was superhuman and how appreciative I was for LeBron and his career and how I want to make sure that I don't take LeBron, 35-year-old LeBron, year 17, <clears throat> LeBron for granted because we don't know how much longer we have with LeBron in the NBA. So we need to really kind of cherish these moments. And then a few weeks later, I saw like a random clip on Twitter and it was Deion Sanders. I think he hosts his own podcast. Deion Sanders has his own podcast. And Deion was talking about sort of the GOAT debate. And he made a similar point to what you made, but and I'm going to weave race into it here, but ultimately what Deion Sanders was, was trying to get at was that, like, black people are the only people that pin our greats up against each other and that you don't usually see that in other cultures, particularly in white cultures. And obviously, you being a white male, you can speak more to that probably better than me or Deion Sanders. But to me, I disagreed wholeheartedly. Give me, give me an hour. Yeah, yeah, I'll get you an hour for sure, for sure. But but, but for me in particular, me being able to probably speak better to the black culture than you can because I'm a black male, um, I disagreed wholeheartedly with Deion Sanders. And the reason why I disagreed because shortly after that, I went to my black barbershop and that's all people did in the barbershop was debate about everything. And that is a huge part of black culture. Like any black barbershop that you go to, Guys are debating about everything. And it's, it's to me, it's a part of our culture I appreciate. Like, I wouldn't want to go to a black barbershop or any barbershop where you could hear a pin drop and it's quiet and nobody's talking and nobody's debating and nobody's doing all of these things. So although he was trying to kind of make it seem as if it was some type of a negative that we have these types of debates uh, and these types of conversations. part of the experience. It's a part of the experience of being black and the uniqueness of being black because like I said, I'm somebody who advocates for debate culture. Obviously, I've been a radio host, mm -hmm. so I really didn't have a choice but to, debate, to, but to debate, but anytime we can have an interesting conversation about two greats, to me, we're more so shining a light on these greats and the fact that they're able to even be this topic that we're discussing in these particular conversations to me speaks more volume than us disrespecting one over the other and vice versa. What are your thoughts on that generally? It, 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 as the white man on, on the podcast, there we go. Um, it, 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 it is interesting, uh, in about like how the NBA risk, I mean, like, uh, the conversation around the NBA's like greatest of all time does, uh, compared to like, I, I feel like baseball really, really like celebrates its greats. And it's like all this like big club and like outside of maybe Babe Ruth, like, like it's, it's less like necessarily comparing them and more of just like, like this great, the greats and stories of like different eras. And uh, even if you like, look like in the NFL too, I mean, like, I, I think, you know, maybe there was a consensus that like Joe Montana was the best of all time, but like, I just remember like stories of all these different quarterbacks and it, and it wasn't so much of like a, you're a failure, if not Joe Montana. And like, right. the NBA is definitely like that. I mean, it's all about like rings and titles and, and like record versus this guy. Like there definitely is a lot more of the, um, uh, you know, one guy versus the other guy thing. And, um, you know, a, a lot of that probably too is, is just the fact that it's such small rosters and, and one player can make such a big difference on one roster. But I, I also completely agree with you in, in just in terms of like basketball is a, a great place to have debates and like it, it's a great forum and, and it lets people express their opinions. And 
um, like, shoot, like that's, that's half the reason why I think you, me and Danny were all good friends is because we were just so good shooting the shit about hoops. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, I actually think it elevated the marketing of the sport. Obviously, you know, there's a lots of reasons why that happened. Um, obviously, you know, when I had Etan Thomas on, we talked about Michael Jordan and we even talked about uh, Commissioner David Stern and what he was able to do in growing the game globally. And there's there's more than just debating that enhances, you know, the popularity of the sport or a conversation around a sport and all of these things. But I mean, there was once upon a time where we didn't see debates on TV. We didn't have the Skip and Shannons. We didn't have yeah. the first takes. We didn't have all of that. And maybe you agree or maybe you don't agree. But to me, I'd much rather have these debate shows, these sports debate shows on TV now rather than what we had in the past where you didn't quite see that as much. So, like, like I said, overall, I am a fan of debate culture. Um, I advocate for debates, whether it's a GOAT debate, whatever the kind of debate it is. I saw the point that he was trying to make because you mentioned Joe Montana and he actually mentioned Joe Montana. Like, we don't hear the Joe Montana, Tom Brady comparisons. We might say one is the GOAT. We might say the other is the GOAT, but we don't clash those two against each other to try to decide which one is the GOAT. Right. We'll just more so talk about like the Brady. hating it. <laughs> right, 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 right. We'll, like, we'll just talk about everything great that Brady has done when we talk about him being a GOAT, or we'll just talk about everything great that Joe Montana has done when it comes to him being a GOAT, but it's never what this person has done that the other person hasn't done. Um, but for me, like how, I said, how, go how, ahead. How, how, Oh, I was going to say, how much of you of that do you also think that just I think the star power in, in the NBA is like astronomical, like like it's it's so much revolving around like these like, I mean, all these dudes, you know, by like their first names or or nicknames, it's NJ, it's LeBron, it's Kobe, like it's they're, they're front and center. And I, I think the NBA is, uh, you know, minus whatever you like you want to make out of the TV ratings during the pandemic. Like, I think the NBA stars are the biggest sports stars, at least in North America right now. And, and with how polarizing every conversation has to be in this country right now, of course, like there's going to be a ton of debate around, uh, you know, pitting players up against each other. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, you hear kind of the basic point, which is a good point, by the way, but you know, in, in sports like basketball, they're not wearing a helmet. So facial recognition you know, kind of plays into that. But to me, I think it's more so having to do with the entertainment value around the sport. Like, I think for baseball in particular, we've seen a, a pretty deep decline in the popularity of the sport of baseball, just because I think the entertainment value around baseball when it comes to how it connects to other things outside of just the product that's hap happening on the field just doesn't connect quite the same as we see with that of the NBA. And obviously, you know, if we want to talk about kind of a player who played a leading role in that, somebody like an Allen Iverson, who, you know, was somebody who connected to no. his culture outside of just sport. And although they made it hard for him to do that, he was the one that kind of had to take the bullet and break the barrier for that to kind of grow into what it is that we're seeing today and what it is that you're talking about right now. So um, I just think he played a massive role in 
sort of the celebrity of basketball players and them being able to get to this point when it comes to their particular recognition because he made it okay for basketball players to be able to connect with cultures that aren't necessarily the sport, but they figured out a way to intersect it within the sport. Um, Politics, obviously, being another thing that isn't necessarily related to the sport, but it intersects within the sport. I think Allen Iverson was kind of the player that kicked that off, and it's just kind of taken off from there. Right. This is kind of somewhat unrelated to that, but, like, I also just feel like the media, like, I say the media, I am part of the media, but, Mm -hmm. like, like we love to focus on like stories of failure and then like maybe add like a little redemption at the end of it too. Like, you know, if, if you want to look at baseball, you can look at this world series and Clayton Kershaw, like Clayton Kershaw is one of the greatest pitchers of all time. His career is incomplete. Like these guys are still building their careers. Like as yeah. we're talking about their live, their live things. And like Clayton Kershaw's career was a failure because he was this great pitcher who didn't have a world series. And now he has a World Series, and after just a week, people are saying that, like, oh, like, his legacy's changed. Like, he's a different player now. Like, he got this monkey off his back. And, like, you know, that that's just all of us, like, trying to build a narrative before something's done. You saw that with LeBron, too. Like, I yeah. remember – uh you know there there used to be such a narrative with narrative with lebron of like this guy can't close he can't like perform it like this was like late late first era cleveland days when he was going up against like those austin teams or like orlando and um you know there was just a lot of talk of like oh this kid just can't get it done it's like well he was like 23 years old at that time and he played on an absolute crap cleveland roster like yeah was still very early in his career and he, and he built towards that but I, I think we like we want this just like this quick reaction um, sort of like, you know, this is how it is uh, a narrative going that I, I think that contributes to a lot of things as well. No, I agree. I agree 100 percent, man. But yeah, like I said, I just think basketball and, and like I said, I mentioned David Stern. I think this is where you can give Adam Silver some credit as a commissioner and where he differs from David Stern, where I think David Stern wanted to kind of grow the sport of basketball globally. But in doing that, he was very kind of like careful. And I think the dress codes, dress and all codes, that. and you know what yeah, I mean? He yeah. was very careful yeah. about making that happen to where it was, uh, it, the game would be friendly for all, you know what I mean? Regardless yeah. of what your culture is, what background you come from, what part of the world you're in, where I think now the game has grown so big that there's kind of no turning back. So with that, how do you grow the game even more? How do you expand the game even more? You personalize it. And I think, You know, Adam Silver has been good in allowing these players to sort of be able to personalize themselves within sport because, you know, now they can dig deeper into the politics. They we know the fashion, I think, is at an all time high now in the NBA and these players can express themselves in ways that they couldn't before. And I personally don't think you really can ever go wrong when you personalize a situation because it makes each of those individual players unique in their own particular right, whether it be because of how they dress, whether it be because how they engage politically, whether it be because how Damian Lillard raps, whether it be because, you know, whatever it is that they're that they're engaging in that makes them unique, you know, obviously outside of their particular skill within the sport, now we kind of feel a different connection to each individual player for different yeah. reasons. And I don't think that can ever get old as you know, older players cycle out of the league and newer and younger players cycle into the league. 
Well, it, to, to me, like the league just feels genuine. I mean, like, it, yeah. like I, you know, you talked about like, you know, the personalities out of the players and stuff, but I mean, like, even if like you look at, um, you know, the NFL, like there's, there's, there's such a um, disconnect, it seems between like the, what the players are standing for and what they believe in and what a lot of the owners actually like stand for and believe in. And like, it just seems there's a lot of mixed messages in every other sport or you look at MLB, like the fact that they like, there's still stupid talk about like just players celebrating and embracing their cultures and being themselves. Like, right. I think of all those, le- I think of all those leagues when you watch the NBA, like, you know what the product is like, like yeah. you, you know, like what you're getting out of it. Like it, it feels real to me. And I think that's why I like it. Cause I like, I like stories about people and like the NBA is like the best story about people right now. Absolutely. 100%. Um, last question I got for you, Alger, you've been in the game for seven years now. Um, at least you've been writing for seven years now, professionally. I'm not going back to like what well, you did at University University of Montana. Who cares? It's, it's Portland State yeah, Vikings yeah, on yeah. mine anyway, because that's who I work for, and you know we're 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 all in the big sky. So who cares about what you did at the University of Montana? I want to talk it's about what you did. Field you guys yeah. Got <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell Val- I'll tell Valerie Clear you said that. No. <laughs> <laughs> but anywho. Um, you know, professionally, you've been working for seven years or so, seven, eight years in this industry. Um, what's held up for you? What would you say to young sports writers that want to do the same thing that Tyson Alger is doing in the way that Tyson Alger wanted to do what Ken Go was able to do throughout his career? Uh you know, that's, that's a really good question because obviously like the medium has changed so much in terms of like what our like, day-to-day responsibilities are and like who our audience is, how we're communicating to our audience and everything. But like, I, I think just the, the most basic principle for me of, of, I, I wanted to be a journalist cause I'm a pretty curious person. Like I want to learn about people and I want, and I want to tell like their stories. And I, I think more than anything like that's something that like, no matter like what form it's coming from, I mean, hell we're doing a podcast right now. I never thought I'd probably be doing that 10 years ago, but uh, I, I think just being able to like communicate those and, and, and not going into a situation thinking, you know, everything um, I think can lead to some pretty cool results and, and it builds good relationships with people. It, it, it um, you know, not acting like a smart ass all the time can actually help you <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the long run. And, um, yeah, so I, I just, I just think the actual, uh, you know, if, if you're a curious person who, who wants to like share things with the world, like, I still think that this is a really cool, cool business to be in despite all of, all the things that, you know, you sometimes have to put up with, uh, in order to, uh, cover a game for a living. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, for sure, for sure. Um, let let the people know where to find you on social media, where to find your work, all that good stuff. Yeah, I'm uh, pretty simple, at Tyson Alger on Twitter. Uh, I think I'm at Tyson Alger on Instagram, too. I don't do that one as much for work purposes, but occasionally you can get a, a cool stadium shot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there we and go. And then uh, uh, at just uh, if you go to the – if you just go to the theathletic.com, if you're an Oregon fan, uh, one subscription on the site covers everything on the site. So you can get Oregon, you can get, you can get some hoops. So you can get your Jason quick on the blazers. I mean, that guy, that guy's really good at what he does. Yes, he is. Um, but I mean, but I mean, yeah, I mean like it, people want to find me, they can find me. I, I'm just, I'm just happy to be here, my man. Hey, I like to hear it, man. I like to hear it. Well, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, 
Appreciate you for listening to the podcast. Tell a friend to tell a friend about the podcast. Subscribe, rate, all the things. And we are going to leave y'all the only way that we know how, and that is to stay woke and go win. Mm-hmm.